Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy. Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Perimenopause Power. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Nat. How are you today? Going super because we are especially going to be talking about a topic that I'm very passionate about, the brain. Yeah. I'm, awesome. I'm sure in a past life I was meant to be a, a neuroscientist or neurologist. because Not I'm, too late. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> definitely not. I do think that, but um, but it's, you know, I, I feel like we can definitely add value when it comes to the woman's brain talking through menopause and, and um, menstrual health. And, and this forms part of our ongoing symptom series that we've been running. So the first episode was around uh, weight gain, the second episode around bone density and osteoporosis. And then this episode, we're going to be talking about brain health and in particular, some of the symptoms that can really impact um, our brain health and also the role that the brain plays in the vast array of symptoms that we experience, right? Yeah, it's a really important one. A lot of a lot of people don't actually make the connection and that's probably, uh, probably because there's been so much more research that's just started to come out around this area and fascinating stuff. Shall we kick off? We shall. And and you're so right about the research that, you know, I think what an opportunity for us to be alive and be this generation talking about menopause and being part of that research or really just absorbing a lot of the research that is happening. There's, I think there's still a long way to go, but it's amazing how much research is actually taking place and and the learning that we're gaining actually you bang on and i was at a conference earlier this week and uh having a chat to different people and it's really we are the first generation that's talking about perimenopause and menopause and i think the first generation that's getting the benefit of some really useful um and very important uh research it's being done that hasn't been done prior so yeah absolutely so I wanted to kick off with, I guess, this mindset around our brain and just how important our brain is. Mm. And we have uh, that wonderful book by Cassandra Sozek, uh, Women's Healthy Aging, and she's a neurologist and professor at Melbourne University who's been part of this 30-year research into women's health. And she has a fabulous chapter around brain health in her book and based on the research that um, they've done over the years. And she basically says the brain is our control and command centre. Everything starts in the brain. It makes us who we are, our thoughts, our feelings, our actions. Um, And really there's an opportunity to think about our health from the head down. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, Nat, but you couldn't be more on point, could you, in relation to it being a command centre? Because it really does dictate so much of what goes on in our bodies. It really does. And I think you and I, before we hit record, we're talking as well around that connection with the brain to our reproductive organs and in particular our ovaries. And I think a lot of people wouldn't make that connection that we are connected. And it's funny, I you know, thinking about that and talking about that, I often mention in my yoga classes that we are one big moving part. And, you know, I have a lot of clients who come in and want to do particular stretches to support their body, but it actually starts from the head down. And Mm. 
it's similar to our health and our internal health as well, that it starts from the brain and we are all connected, one big moving part. So what we do in one area really creates those flow and effects across our entire being, right? Absolutely. And you often hear people, you know, just say you can't really spot spot uh, do an exercise for a specific part of your body it's it's all inclusive right it is yeah absolutely and so it's really important to acknowledge that really there's this communication between our brain and our reproductive organs or and and our ovaries mm-hmm. and the brain is I guess when going through menopause, we can think about the brain as going through a transition like the rest of our body. And again, we've seen some great research come out recently around the fact that menopause does reshape or change a woman's brain. And so all of those symptoms that we're experiencing, and we've we've shared before around hot flushes, insomnia, night sweats, anxiety, it all starts in the brain, which is which is powerful when you think about it, that there's, you know, it might be a bit daunting, but it, it, it doesn't start in our reproductive organs. It starts in our control and our command center. And again, you know, just just being able to have that perspective and seeing where all of that starts gives us then the opportunity to look at, okay, so how do I now support my brain health, knowing that it's going to support the rest of me? And, you know, as you're saying that now, you know, my head always goes to the food nutrition side of things. And this is one reason why women and men all of us actually need to make sure that we are eating quality, healthy fats in our diet because our brain, I think it's something like 60 or 70% of our brain is made up of fat. And um, I could have that wrong, but it's, it definitely has a big bearing on it. And if we're taking that away, well, then we're not actually supporting the function of our brain either. And, you know, healthy fats from olive oil, avocado, nuts, seeds, you know, we've got some beautiful amazing foods at our fingertips it's not hard to get that we can eat and i think that that whole you know low fat stigma that we uh grew up with um i think that's changing and people are now actually really embracing some healthy fats but if there's one thing that you can do to support your brain that's definitely it Mm, yeah great point and it's that it's that glucose in the brain that the brain needs glucose absolutely what that energy right and um estrogen plays a big part in that energy of the brain and so obviously naturally as we're going through perimenopause and we're seeing that decline of estrogen we, we need to still ensure that we are replenishing the brain with the food that it needs and with certain lifestyle factors to ensure that we are giving our our brain the best opportunity to still function well and still support our entire uh, being as well. Absolutely. All of the above. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when it comes to brain health, we probably automatically think about uh, mental health and um, anxiety and depression. And, and we are seeing more and more that there is this awareness that menopause can contribute to anxiety and depression as we're going through perimenopause and menopause and, and even beyond. Um, and it might not always be that. Menopause might not always be the root cause for that. But we're definitely seeing that there are higher incidences of those symptoms as we're going through perimenopause. I was just going to say it's so bang on because, you know, you and I talk a lot about trying to paint a positive picture around menopause and the big thing around it is that education. And obviously this podcast is all about educating and helping, you know, our listeners along. And that's such a big education thing around our brain health and making the connection, isn't it? So, you know, if there's one thing that another thing that that our listeners get from today, it's around knowing how they can support their brain and that brain health 
can be an issue in menopause. Like you said, not necessarily the the actual cause, but really good to be aware of it. Yeah, hundred percent. And again, you know, you and I have often spoke about, and we've shared this in workshops that we all have mental health. We all need to support our brain health. And it's something again, like the rest of our health that we want to support, even if we don't have a mental health issue, or even if we're not suffering anxiety or um, depression or, you know, mental health concerns, we need to to prevent that and support that and and nurture our brain because we all have it and it's it's all it's a key part of who we are and what makes us us as well so it's really important to highlight that that this isn't about addressing mental health issues when the time arises it's about that preventative support as well mm. um, and ensuring that what we do today is going to support us today and into the future and and well beyond um, that future as well definitely So what I loved out of that book, Women's Healthy Aging, and Cassandra really succinctly just covered off some key things that we can do to support our brain health. And I'm sure our listeners are going to see similarities across all our other episodes and the things that we talk about from a lifestyle perspective, but it's really those basics, right? And for you and I, these are things that we talk about so often. And we've, we've touched on one and it's, you know, keep it well fed, mm. feeding your brain the nutrients that it needs to see that it's then going to support the nutrients that the rest of your body needs as well. Yeah. And can I, you know, I, I mentioned a few foods before, but some other really great uh, foods for our brain health are omega-3 fatty acids as well. Really easy to get fatty fish like salmon and tuna. Um, they really help with cognitive function as well. And, you know, other things like blueberries, strawberries, leafy greens, spinach, um, they're also um, great for brain fog um, with our brains as well. So, you know, there's so many plentiful things and they're not things that we haven't been including in our diet for, you know, forever and ever. It's just um, we just need to possibly provide the education around the why you should be having it. Yeah, definitely. And it's about that education, isn't it? And it's yeah. and it's about you and I, since we started Own Your Health Collective or even before we started Own Your Health Collective, we spoke about the simplicity, coming back to basics. And essentially that's why we were called Own Your Health too, because we wanted people to just come back to making their health simple and being able to own their health through food, through such lifestyle factors. Another key point here is really around engaging the brain and using the brain. So what we mean by here is educating and learning and, and growing, and that goes a long way to supporting our brain function and our brain health. Interestingly, our brain is hardwired for lifelong learning and it craves being able to learn. And I think, again, you know, how wonderful for the generation that we are in now because we have access to so many means of learning. I mean, even through this podcast, even through reading blogs or articles, even doing workshops or webinars or even short courses, we don't have to necessarily go through that traditional form of education, particularly as we get older is a lot harder. We've got lots of means to be able to learn. And when we can use our brain, we're really nurturing that opportunity for for growth because when we don't learn we then lose that ability to um, have our brain function as it as it needs to function and ultimately that really does lead to 
you know, some of those conditions around um, mental health and anxiety and depression. So, you know, using our brain and uh, learning goes a long way to supporting our mental health. There's a lot to be said for jigsaw puzzles and puzzles and um, learning a new skill and it all helps keep the brain really active, doesn't it, Nat? And again, it's coming back to those simple things that you can be doing. Um, My in-laws, crossword, Sudoku, uh, bridge games, uh, they're constantly doing things and reading new, you know, reading new things as, you know, even just as uh, simple as just reading the paper every day and learning new things and what's going on in the world around us. It can be really, really simple. And also, I just want to touch on too, because I have said this before, and I think people look at me like I'm a little bit crazy, but of course, as we're going through the phase of perimenopause, it can be very challenging and mm. the symptoms can be very troublesome, but there's also opportunity here to learn and to use it as a bit of a personal development experience that we get to learn about our body we get to learn about what our body might need we get to trial and test different things whether it's foods we'll say whether it's um fasting because that's on our our mind a little bit at the moment least whether it's around you know movement and what might work for us or changing our sleep routine so it's all of those things that really allow us to trial and test, but also learn as we go. And, and that's where we can really develop a curious mind about this phase of life and, and flip our perspective or our mindset around what we're going through and say, okay, yes, this is, this is difficult and yes, it's troublesome, but what can I learn from here and, and what do I need and how can I grow through this phase and you know, then come out through the other side with this level of learning and this personal development that you know, people go and study for years and years. There's, there's so much benefit that comes from embracing our life phases as a personal development opportunity. Yeah, curiosity is powerful, isn't it? I love reading stories that come across the news sometimes, you know, some, uh, you know, 80 or 90 year old person's just, um, you know, got a doctorate in such and such or a degree in something. You're never too old to learn, right, Nat? No, definitely not. And another key point here is obviously sleep, and that's one of your pet topics, Lise. Mm. Sleep is mandatory to support our brain health, isn't it? It really is. And, um, you know, we you know, I've probably talked about this in previous podcasts, but uh, just the busyness of life that women coming into this phase of their life um, are experiencing really impacts the way that they're sleeping and how effective they're sleep and, that, and the length that they're sleeping for. And you really do have to prioritize it. And look, I've always loved my sleep, but I have really, really noticed, especially over the last 18 months to two years, that I I just need to go to sleep at a certain time and get up at a certain time. And there is just so much benefit um, in just simply doing that. Same same time to bed, same time to wake up. Um, But what happens is a lot of uh, regeneration and repair and all that kind of thing that goes on in the brain when you are sleeping. So if we're not getting enough of that, we aren't allowing the body to do the repair that it needs to go about and doing. And it's like, it's like it's getting rid of the old matter that it doesn't need anymore. So it can make, it's got to make room for the new, the new matter that's got to come into the brain and sleep is key. Mm, It really is. And just getting that rest. And, and again, if I come back to my meditation roots, you know, there's great evidence um, highlighting the importance of meditation and how, taking a few minutes to meditate can actually Mm. be equivalent to um, a really restful sleep. So it's creating those, you know, white space moments throughout your day where you're resting your brain as well as resting your body, but you're not on the go. You're not constantly in your mind with your to-do list. You're resting and you're supporting your brain health that way as well. 
Now, I think that's the number one tip from this podcast. A little meditation through the day can give you the same benefit as a good sleep. That's, mm. That is gold. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, it really is. And then another key point, which come out of the book here, Women's Healthy Aging, I wanted to talk about was keeping your brain's environment comfortable. And really what is meant by this and that come out of the research is the environment in which you live and work and surround yourself affects your brain, but also what we're doing and putting into our body also affects our brain. So such things as toxins. Mm. What came out of that 30-year research was avoiding toxins where you can. So toxins, I guess, in terms of what we use around the household, toxins that we put on our body. Um, And again, there's great research highlighting that, um, you know, such toxins can actually wreak havoc on our hormones. So, you know, again, it's, it's broadening our thinking and looking at, okay, so what can I do to support my brain health? by supporting the environment in which I am in physically, but also what I do to my body as well. Yeah, it's a really good point. And, you know, I mean, but between the two of us, we're always talking about the extra toxins that we don't need to take in because they do have a huge effect. And, you know, if you're not aware of it, aware of it, they can build up after, you know, years and years of using a particular product or, um, you know, a kitchen utensils, like nonstick services are highly toxic. Um, I don't use them. Uh, the, the moisturiser that you're putting on your skin, it's just I really encourage um, the listeners just to read the label of what it is that they're putting on their skin or the makeup they're using or the lipstick that they're using or, or even that the perfume can be highly toxic. And, you know, Nat, you know that I haven't worn perfume for years. I like to use essential oils, but that's a really highly toxic product. And women are putting that on their bodies day in, day out, sometimes once, twice a day. Um, so I, yeah, another, another takeout would, I would encourage you to see what it is that you're using and don't forget our liver is great at at removing toxins in our body. So it's there for a reason. However, you, it, it depends on the amount of toxins that we, you know, putting on our body day in, day out. Does the liver keep up with it? Probably not. So where does it park it? It will park it in the fat on your body in relation or make the fat to, in relation to store those toxins so that they're not impacting other organs in your body. I could really talk about this all day, but that's that's it in a nutshell. Mm, it really is, and it's probably a whole episode that we should do around toxins. Yeah, TVs, that'd be awesome. There's a little bit of apprehension around low-tox living, and, again, I think it's because it's a change, right, and there is so much that we are exposed to and um, there's perhaps not a lot of information or people not sure how to get that information, but as we say, again, coming back to basics and just maybe making one change. I know for me, the biggest change I made a few years ago was not wearing perfume like you, Lise. And again, it's, um, you know, it's, it's going small and it's just making small increment changes. But again, it's, it's through that information and understanding that we can really see just how impacted our brain is from everything that we do and the flow and effect of what we do to our brain health, you know, then um, impacts the rest of our existence as well. So I guess just in in closing in this episode, I want to highlight the importance that, you know, our health starts from the head down. As we go through perimenopause, we're going through a transition. And if I can pull a quote from uh, this book, Women's Healthy Aging, what you do today affects you today, tomorrow, and over the three decades at least 
if not longer. So there's a real opportunity to support our brain health, knowing that it is our control and our command center, making who we are, supporting our health. And it really starts with us today and, you know, trying to really find those lifestyle factors that can support us. What a great episode, Nat. I'm putting it out there. I think there's a lot of gold, little gold nuggets that our listeners can can get from this today, like many of our others. But yeah, I think um, there's some great ideas that uh, even for us that have evolved from this episode that we can hone in uh, a little bit, a uh, little bit more too. Absolutely. Thanks as always, Lise. Thanks, Nat. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self, no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.